Welcome to the Kyle Corver episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 26. My name is Logan Wortman, and he's back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm once again joined by my good friend, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how's it going? It is going great. Feels great to be back. Uh, yeah. And how does it feel to have the Celtics leading the entire NBA in terms of wins at this All-Star break? Well, they, yeah, I, we've slipped a little bit at the end. Uh, honestly, the thing that I'm the happiest with with the Celtics is for some reason ESPN didn't advertise very well when they were saying that the Bucks and Celtics went to overtime, that it was the Celtics without Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, or Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. Um, if people don't know, that's four of the five starting Celtics. And um, also, Robert Williams III played like 13 minutes total. Yeah. So I felt pretty good about that, that we had that bench depth playing a full strength Bucks team. It took 30 from Drew Holiday, like 24 from Giannis. It was 40 from Drew Holiday, wasn't it? Four, it was 40 from Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was I was happy to see that that squad took them to the brink off of a, a big a big game from Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. But there was like I want to say there was like eight guys that played, eight or nine guys that played, and like six of them had at least 15 points, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, Blake. That you have depth to be able to do that against a good defense. Well, Blake is like the streakiest streak master of all time. Yeah, I saw he, he had 15, though, that game. Yeah. And then uh, I know Mike Muscala, his first game in the Celtics jersey, he had like 18. Oh, really? Something like that. I didn't know that. No, yeah. So, no, I was I was very happy to see how the team played without what the team is built around, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a starting quality player, so it's like mm-hmm. kind of cheating when you say four of the five starters weren't there, but it was still it was still really nice. And then Grant Williams showed that we do have a Giannis uh, solution, which was nice because Giannis was, had a big game, but it was like grindy. He was tired at the end of it, so mm-hmm. uh, that was nice to see. But no, I'm, I'm pumped with how the Celtics have gone. I think they have a half game up on uh, both the Nuggets and the Bucks, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's either a game or a half game up. I can't remember which one. I think it's a f- at least a full game on the Nuggets. I think we're Nuggets are half game behind the Bucks. Okay, so then it'd be a full game ahead of the Bucks and a half game on the uh Yeah, I met yeah. but yeah. It feels good. Joe Mazzula is the official head coach, no longer interim. They dropped the title mm-hmm. of interim and just made him the full time, which I think is well deserved because he's going through some growing pains as a coach. But when you see guys like Al Horford or like people saying like this is the healthiest locker room I've been a part of mm. that that makes you feel pretty good so I'm I'm glad that they made the, they pulled the trigger uh, granted a lot of these guys have only played for the Celtics like there's not a whole lot of I mean Blake Griffin's been everywhere but Blake Griffin's healthiest locker room isn't really that big of a of an achievement when you look back at some of the teams that Blake Griffin was on <laughs> so that is very true that was a long-winded way to say I'm pumped well deserved all right so for those that don't know we are recording because I don't know what day this is going to come out exactly but Right now, currently, it is Friday, February 17th, so we are here at the trade deadline, or not the trade deadline, we are here at the All-Star weekend of the NBA. Last week was the trade deadline. Yeah, so All-Star hasn't happened yet, because it's Friday, That the game's on Sunday, and the contests are on Saturday. I honestly, I feel like, I don't know if they have yet or not switched, like, the prime time 
event on Saturday night from dunk contest to the three point shooting contest, but I feel like they should because I feel like that's what people care about. It is not. It well, everything starts at eight Eastern. Mm. You could argue that the three point contest would be the prime time kind of because the skills challenge is what opens it up, and then it, it's still that way. They haven't shuffled things around. Also. It's like they're not even trying anymore. And this is like this. This is kind of what I like because I, I brought it before we started recording that I wanted to do like uh, to talk on like the All-Star game. Is it just not for us? Is it just for children? Do we need to just stop caring about All-Star weekends? Because that's what it is in the NFL anymore. It's just like a bunch of like things where kids can be like, did you see Derek Carr hit the dummies floating or all these like it's it's not like this. I don't know. I just feel like it's not a event that i'm as like to is it for children is that that's what i'm asking yeah like do i need to stop caring are you talking about the all-star game the whole weekend in general i guess i still care about it <laughs> the only thing that i care is like you get like you were an all-star like that giving that distinction to someone i think still means something like if you were a pro bowler in the nfl that is still a distinction that you deserve yeah sometimes i don't think fans should get a vote but that's not the point because fans just are stupid and mess things up and uh, uh, dude that tried to rip Katie's leg off, used to play for the Warriors as a center, Zaza Pachulia. He was an all-star almost, or was an all-star, because Golden State fans were all just like, anyway, this is going on a whole different tangent. I've given up. The distinction still matters for like people's resumes, but... I just don't know. Does it, though? I, I feel like all-star, like, as a, for a resume thing, I feel like people care more about, like, all-NBA as they should. That's what I'm saying. Do I should I care anymore? Should I have any level of care? Because the All Star Game sucks. The slam dunk contest has not been cool since they squandered it and just made it like a weird, like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon those slam dunk contests. 2016. Like yeah. But then like the, the way they handled that, we're never gonna get a good one like that ever again. I have no faith. The way they handled. Just like the weird like. Maybe it shouldn't be a panel. Maybe they just need to redo it and just have like someone that's not stupid do it. It just is so like I've just given up and maybe that's just me. I just feel like we need it's the participants thing. It's because the players have stopped caring about it. You know, like before the all star or the slam dunk contest was cool because we had big names and big faces doing it and being involved. You know, these same players just replace it with the culture of, of like 30 years ago. It would have been a no brainer that we have Zion Williamson. And LeBron James, you know, when he was in his prime, uh, Anthony Edwards, those guys would be doing the dunk contests. Yeah. And that's what I feel like fans obviously want to see. Like, I don't think people are really all that excited about Kenyon Martin Jr. And Max McClung. Trey Mur yeah, Max McClung is like, does he even play in the NBA? No, he's a G League player. Yeah. That like flexes sometimes to be a bench spot. Yeah, I think he's technically on the Warriors, but like I didn't know that was allowed. I didn't know. <laughs> no, because like, I, I don't know how far down on the list he was. He's probably not like he was probably higher on the list than like Jokic. But like <laughs> he, he wasn't he couldn't have been that high on anybody's like, who are the guys we want to go ask? Yeah, it just I don't know. And I don't know how you change it. I don't think you can. You just give up end it. Forget about it. Scrap it. Mm hmm. And or don't do dunks. Make it a horse a game. A horse. Think how much better that would be. It, get rid of the three point contest. Get rid of the skills challenge and just pick like five dudes and say, play a game of horse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe just choosing better people would be good. 
It's not a choose thing. NBA guys just don't want to do it. Yeah, but even out of the guys that would do it, you think this is the best that we can get? Maybe I have too much faith in the NBA as an organization to not be stupid. But I generally think that they just, everyone else they asked said no. So they ended up with the Santa Cruz Warriors legend, Mac McClung. Yeah. I really think that's what happened. Because no, nobody wants to do it anymore. Because even when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were doing it, those weren't big names. Those dudes were just so gifted in what they do. You know what I mean? That wasn't like a big name thing. They were bigger names, though. They were both top picks in the that draft. That was not when Zach Levine... Okay, I guess that... They are both like highly touted prospects, you know? Yeah, was, but Zach Levine wasn't the Zach Levine he is today. No, no. Aaron Gordon is not the... Like, they, they were just guys that are like rim runners is what Aaron Gordon was on a terrible magic team. Yeah. Um, and then Zach Levine was like barely was a rotational piece for the Timberwolves and like didn't play really. He played in, in some of his last years. It's the year he, uh, Zach Levine said no was the first year that he was like actually a player. I, Not, you know what I mean? I, he played quite a bit with the Timberwolves at the end. And that's when he stopped doing them. It's like the year he really started picking up and being like a legitimate big player was when he tore his ACL, yeah. which was the same year as he said I'm not going to do the dunk contest because he tore his ACL he tore his in ACL. the second half of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was after he tore his ACL when he when he decided to not do them anymore. Before that, yeah, he was, I mean, he was still a young player, though. It wasn't like he was failing as, as being, like, it's not like he was necessarily needed to be a star. He wasn't on the verge of being out of the league. I, yeah. I should rephrase, yeah. He was just not the name that he, we, I mean, he was never, he was never on the bubble of the rotation. Like, he was always solidly in the rotation at, Every yeah. point in his career so far, other than when he's been injured. The, eight, the seven or eight man at that point. Or six or seven. I, think, I feel like he started for the Timberwolves, like his rookie season, I want to say. I guess I might be off. For some reason, I didn't think he did. I thought he was just a first guard off the bench type of thing, but I might be off. I think they were, they wanted to use him as like their point guard, but he just wasn't good at doing, like he was really turnover prone. Yeah, he played 77 games. Okay, so he, he averaged 25 minutes and has started about half the, a little over half the games. Okay, so he did play more than I thought he did. So that's, I guess, I don't know. I went toe-to-toe with you on that one. But but anyway, this is a whole convoluted thing. I personally have given up on the All-Star game. I'd like to, like, you're, you're the more pro stance. So what's your take on it? There's still value to be had in it, I feel like, for me. Because, like, I mean, as far as the dunk contest goes, yeah, sure, I'll turn it on and see what happens. It's usually disappointing, but every once in a while. Like, it, it really wasn't that long ago that we had that Aaron Gordon and... Eric Jones Jr. and um, who else was in that? Pat Connaughton was in that, and he was like the worst one. He went out right away, but he was still really good in that dunk contest. I think there was one other guy that was really good in that one. That dunk contest was probably like three years ago, maybe? 2019, I think, when I did a quick Google. Okay, so four years ago now? Yeah, the ones recently have been really bad. So yeah, dunk contest definitely has fallen off, and that's why I think the primetime event on Saturday should be the three-point contest. I just think it's far more interesting most of the time. Um, it's not as clippable, and that's what the end, like, it's not as... That's why it should be primetime, because people want to actually tune in and watch it live instead of just, oh, I can see all those, the dunks that they did make on Instagram tomorrow. I guess, yeah, but I also think that, like, what is the primetime slot? Because this thing starts at 7 o'clock Central. The final event, the third thing. The skills challenge. No, skills challenge is first, isn't it? Yeah, but it's the, the skills challenge starts at five, five West Coast, eight East Coast. Yeah, so the final thing of the night is what I would consider like the prime time event. The thing that starts at ten o'clock Eastern. Yeah. Okay. Because that would be seven o'clock 
Western? I would say it's that on a Saturday night, yeah. But anyways, the but the All-Star game, though, with the draft thing, that's I feel like this they could really ruin uh, this year's idea for the All-Star game, or they could do it really well. But I, I feel like they're probably going to do it bad, where they... You know, they've had the all-star draft the last few years, which I actually kind of dig. I, I like watching the two different captains choose their teams live. Um, but this year, it was going to be really interesting where they are doing it like schoolyard style on the court, and they're picking the their teams there. But there's been a lot of talk, like, in the days coming up to the, the this weekend that uh, that's not what they're actually going to do. It's just going to be, like, staged. Like, it's going to look like that, but... In actuality, they already pre-picked the teams because, like, they have to make the jerseys for the teams and everything. Like, I don't know if there's any information beyond just that, beyond people like, oh, well, they have to have the jerseys on the team, so obviously they already know what what teams they're on. Like, I feel like if they really wanted to keep the purity of, like, the the draft part of it, you can just make two jerseys (laughs) for each player. Or the NBA. They they can swing making a a, a double-colored. Yeah. Of both sides, you know what I mean? Exactly. But also it being the NBA, it wouldn't shock me if it is just an act thing and people, like the players know, but it's like a you don't know what team you're on. Yeah. Wink, wink. That's so boring, honestly. I, I want to see. I think the game's going to suck no matter what. Well, the game might. It'll just be all offense. But I, I don't you want to see like DeMontis Sabonis get picked last? And like, you know, just like the, the look on certain players' faces and things like that, or like Giannis, um, is he a captain? Yeah. yeah. I think, he, I think, or is it Kevin? I think they're making him the, no, it, it, okay, Kevin's not playing. Yeah, but he's. What happens now? He's still the captain. Who replaces, so he's still going to be the one that picks the team. I think. So does he get two picks in a row? Does he automatically get a pick first? Because he's not going to count as a player? I don't know. That happened with Kevin Durant before. I remember that. And they automatically gave him Tatum because that was his replacement. I'm pretty sure. Oh, in the. Yeah. Anyways, um. I feel like KD being over there and, you know, maybe his first pick is Giannis or something. But yeah. And then Giannis like whispering into his ear, like on who he should pick next, like that, you know, just seeing that live would be cool. Maybe they'll still fake that. Maybe we don't know how good an actors they are. Yeah. But yeah. I, and I, I see where you're coming from with that whole thing. I, 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 I do, I guess. Yeah. The actual game, though, I just want to see Jokic. Take it like John Morant on the same team. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) No, Jokic is such a boring all-star game player because he just like what's he supposed to do, you know? But honestly, I I feel like he should just go out there and do a bunch of Sambor shuffles, you know, like like just keep fading away and take like crazy shots. Like he should just do that stuff. I feel like that would be fun to watch, but. He, Bro, I was saying he just stands at the midcourt, barely plays defense, and just throws quarterback passes to John Morant as oops. Oh, yeah. That's why I want to see it happen. Just literally treat like – because there's not going to be any real defense. Just Jokic could just get in his bag and just start throwing crazy stuff. It, yeah, and, I wish he would. But in All-Star Games past, he just never gets the ball really, so he doesn't really get a chance to throw crazy passes or, or do much. So, yeah. It, or maybe Jokic takes defense super seriously. And just starts going crazy <laughs> on the defensive end. <laughs> Getting blocks, like pinning against the backboard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I really liked his, like, when he threw the ball. Have you seen that clip where he LeBron James is standing out of bounds and he has the ball on the baseline and he just throws the ball into LeBron's hands out of bounds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. Okay, speaking of Jokic, this is a nice transition. Um, 
So I saw a tweet that made me kind of think, like, I want to see your real live time reaction at this. Andrew Perloff, he now has a show, I think it's with, like, it's called, like, Maggie and Perloff or Perloff. I don't know. He used to be a Danette or one of the guys on the Dan Patrick show. His tweet was, if voters give Jokic a third straight MVP without a trip to the NBA Finals, they need all new voters. Everyone can, and then this is like the tweet after people were attacking him for that previous tweet. Everyone keeps telling me it's a regular season award, but there has to be at least some consideration on of how the player will do in the postseason. It's not called the regular season MVP. It's called the NBA MVP. So this person used to be on the Dan Patrick show, you said? No, yeah, they, but there's they still have like their own sports show. Okay, that sounds... The last part of it, like I, I understand his point somewhat at the beginning, but the last part of it was like... Uh, Probably the worst point he could have made that it's not the regular season MVP award. Like, isn't it actually literally the regular season MVP award? That would be correct because the finals MVP is technically the postseason MVP. It doesn't have to be someone that played in the finals by ruling, technically, but it just always is, from what I understand. I don't think so. I don't think that's right because that's from been. From what I've always. I'll just look at it. That's been something that everybody has always wanted to have is to have a postseason MVP as opposed and not necessarily as opposed to, but in tandem with a finals MVP. But I'm pretty sure finals MVP is just it's only for the, the finals. <laughs> That's the MLB. Season. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, OK. And yeah, every single finals MVP has gone to the winning team, a player on the winning team, though, other than the very first one ever. And that was Jerry West on the losing team. Um, the NFL has the same thing where the only time a Super Bowl MVP has ever been a losing team. It was like Bob Lilly, I think, for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Defensive player oh, on wow. the losing team Jeez. Won, won Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> I'm actually going to get the correct name because I don't think it's Bob Lilly, yeah. but I want to make sure I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. But yeah, I, I get the idea of, you know, you're wanting to reward. Chuck Howley. I'm sorry. Chuck, Chuck Howley. Howley. Okay. I don't know if I've ever heard of that name, but. Yeah, anyways, this guy who said Jokic, you know, he said everybody should have their votes taken away. Is that is that right? If he wins the MVP this season and then doesn't win the championship. He, he just says that they just need all new voters. I don't think it was like a take their votes, but it was like a, they need to reevaluate uh, who's voting. And what was the condition? Was it to, to win the championship or was it to? A trip to the NBA finals. Okay, so come out of the West. Yeah. Don't you? I feel like that's a little unreasonable. Okay. I don't think that's the point he was also making. I think he was just saying like that the Nuggets have been doo-doo in the playoffs. Outside of the bubble year, they have ran into better teams and they just can't win. I shouldn't say doo-doo. It's not like they underperform like the Clippers and lose like on demand. But like they just don't – they can't ever get over the hump. Jokic is never enough to get them past a team. It's been so I like okay, I see what you're saying, but also You know, you're looking at me like a crazy person, but that's by definition what's happened. Is they have not made it to the finals because yeah. Jokic isn't enough. Because it sound well that okay, when you say Jokic, it just sounds so crazy to me because like I you know, I've paid such close attention every year the Nuggets have been in the playoffs and it's like do people like look back on it with a different like I don't understand what people view it as because okay the first year we were a very young team yeah you know the first year we ever made the playoffs with in the Jokic era which was so we, this is going to be the fifth year now 
So it was the 2018-19 season. And so we were a really young team. We had a really good record out of nowhere because we missed the playoffs the year before. We were the second seed that year. Uh, we played the Spurs, struggled with them, but got past them in the first round. And then the second round, we played the Portland Trailblazers, in which Damian Lillard had like a monster performance two of those games. And then there was that six overtime game. That game went to it was a seven game series and we ended up losing that one. It was about as close of a series you could have. Yes, but what his argument in my brain is, is in that situation, or if you go to one of the years they lost to the, was it Warriors they lost to the year after that? Warriors was last year. But Okay, but I'm just saying, like, Jokic wasn't able to outduel the other team's best player, and that's not fair, but that's the vacuum that people look at the MVP like. If okay, that, like, I just don't... That's It's not fair, because taking the Golden State roster and last year's beat-up Nuggets roster and comparing them like they're an apple and an apple is obtuse. It's not fair. And if, but that's the way that they look at MVP stuff. And if you say, okay, so if you're saying it from the lens of best player to best player matchup, the only time that I feel like he's clearly lost that matchup has been the uh, Lakers series, the Western Conference Finals. But his team lost still. Yes, but I don't understand the point then i thought you were saying that is so his best like he hasn't outmatched or outdueled his like the player no, best he player. hasn't outdueled the other best player enough to win the series so you're saying put the and, no matter how bad his team is he has to be enough to win every every game <laughs> is that what yes that's literally yeah that's literally how people look at it okay to be able to win back to back to back like that yeah, I, if he's gonna win three MVPs in a row and be put in this prestigious group of players, I just don't see why you don't look why people don't want to look at like the context of of certain. I agree with you. Performances. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I a million percent agree with because you because it's like yeah that, that first year he was he was like what you're saying, you know he wasn't able to put the team on his back and carry them to the Western Conference Finals that season, but he came as about as close as you could get to that at the age of 24. I'm pretty sure. And then the year after that, we got to the second. No, the year after that was the bubble. So then the year after that, we went to the Western Conference Finals. Those are the only two playoff runs that we've had with our team. The two years after that have been without Jamal Murray and without Michael Porter Jr., both of those years. And the first year of those two were without even more. And that's the year we actually got to the second round because we beat the Blazers somehow. But like that, honestly, to me, was a, just a testament of how dominant Jokic was that season that, you know, the, the backcourt we were going against was Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and our starting backcourt was Faku Campazzo and Austin Rivers. <laughs> and we, we won that series pretty handedly and ran into the Phoenix Suns, who were on a heater at that time with Jay Crowder shooting the lights out. And Chris Paul was taking over games. Suns and four. Yeah. That that was okay. For those that don't know, me and Logan were at the Suns and four game. Yeah, we were. We were we were like not close at all. We, we could saw, see it. Like I remember. It was pretty. We saw because it was like we were on the second deck. We were we were up high in the nosebleeds, and it was down into our right. And we see this weird commotion going on. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. And I remember on our way back, we like start seeing like the t- Anthony's looking at Twitter or something. Yeah. And he's like, wait, what the heck? This is crazy. <laughs> and then we see the whole break. That's like, that's probably the most iconic game I've ever been to. Was the not that the game was iconic because I've been to way better Nuggets games even as we saw that fadeaway uh, Jokic like right at the free throw line to hit the game winner against the six. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the Suns at four iconic game. And I'm pretty sure I saw that guy like after 
after we learned about what happened there and saw the video and everything, I'm pretty sure that was the same guy we were walking behind as we were crossing the crosswalk, like to walk into the arena because I saw that classic Suns like Nash jersey. Oh, the OG. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a cool jersey. I like that. And then I remember walking past him and just looking at his face and thinking like, like, cause he was wearing like a backwards hat. And uh, like, he just looked afterwards after when I saw the videos and everything, he just looked so familiar. I was like, was that the same guy that was out there? So it very well could have been, but we'll never know. That's wild. But no, that was just, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I just wanted to see your immediate reaction because of more because of the, that's why instead of just the initial tweet, I added the second caveat of the, it's not called the regular season MVP when it's technically not a name called the NBA regular season MVP, but in the award description, it is the most valuable player in the regular season. Uh, and I just found that com- uh, comical, and I thought that you would uh, mm-hmm. have a strongish opinion about like, it. And I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I agree with you that like Jokic can only do so much, but I feel like the NBA treats your best player like the quarterback of an of a football team. For example, if you're like, um, we'll say Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has kind of avoided this this time, but like being the quarterback of the losing team, you get more blame. And more glory than you should, almost always. Mm. And I feel like being the best player on an NBA team is a little bit of the same thing. Like Steph Curry went nuclear in the last year's finals for a couple games, but like that wasn't what won them the whole series. It was a huge part. You know what I mean? But like Steph is going to be like, this was Steph alone. And then like, oh yeah, no, Clay's defense was. And this is for people that look at a base level. For people that, like, dive into the weeds, that doesn't happen as often, obviously. But, like, from just a watch sports center when I, like, at 7 o'clock type of sports fan, that's all they see. Mm-hmm. And that's probably how they look at the Jokic thing, too. Well, that's weird. Jokic is the three-time repeating MVP, and he could only get to the Western Conference Finals to get beat by LeBron. What? I don't know. It makes me mad when I hear that because it's clearly people that just don't pay enough attention. Like, the... If you pay attention to to postseason basketball, you like you would know, uh, Jokic is one of the few like great players in the NBA that gets even better in the postseason. Like Giannis dips, uh, Embiid dips a lot. Like most of these players, we see them come up against defenses that are like scheming, you know, so heavily towards them that they have a lot more troubles. Jokic is an absolute monster in the playoffs. His numbers last year: thirty-one, thirteen, and six. No, yeah, you know. The year before that, 30, 12, and 5. His career average, just in the playoffs alone, is 26.4 points per game, 12 rebounds, and 6.5 and assists. Like... No, I... And like <laughs> I said, I'm just... I'm poking the bear for the content. I'm, I'm all in with you. I would argue that, like... This is the wrong year to make this argument, if that makes sense. Out of all of Jokic's MVPs, this is the least debatable who should win MVP. I agree. By a mile. I do. I don't think it's close. MVP won. Embiid was right there with him. Yeah. If you would have said, like, I think we talked with Anthony about this. If you would have voted MVP for Jokic or Embiid, I wouldn't have been like, that's the dumbest take I've ever heard. Like me saying Jason Tatum this year, that's a stupid take. That's that's dumb. It just straight up stupid. But, like, Embiid that year wasn't dumb. Last year... It was like a stronger case for Jokic because no one really did anything crazy. And so then when no one's flashy, you're like, wait, 
Jokic is actually pretty pretty good at this whole basketball thing. I just feel like he he had a much better season than the first year last year. Yeah, he just but then nobody else matched it. If that makes sense, like nobody else like got to the same. The thing is, I think Giannis had the best season of his career last year too. He's already a two time MVP. I think he did. He had a better season than both of his MVP seasons last year. Yep. And Jokic just like he's gotten better every year. Like this this year, uh, at the beginning of the season. It's just funny how the narrative was like, there's no way he's winning three in a row. I thought that too, for the most part. I remember I did say multiple times at the start of the season that it's more conceivable to me of him winning three straight than it was when Giannis had the chance to win three straight because, you know, Jokic's case could be very different this year with a healthy team. Yeah. You know, if he, if his team's just the best team in basketball, you know, it's a, it's a different case. You can't really top it. You know, so people were like, what has to happen if for him to win the MVP going into this season? It's like he has to average a triple-double, you know, have the best record in the league, or, you know, at least the first seed in the West. Be on the verge of a triple-double, and then still lead all those categories that they don't say on SportsCenter. Yeah. I remember this conversation where we had, like, still be the lead of every offensive efficiency category ever. And not as only doing that for this season, he's be leading all those all time, competing with himself almost alone. Yeah. In terms of being the top of those categories all time in terms of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But yeah. And yeah, in terms of efficiencies, like, yeah, the advanced metrics, but also just scoring efficiency, shooting efficiency. Like he is just gone to a completely different stratosphere in terms of that this season. If you laid out the rubric of like all the things, uh, what what does he need to do in order to actually you know get a three a third one straight? Honestly, if you would have described the season he's having right now at the beginning of the year, you might be like, oh, that's a, that's kind of like overdoing it a little bit. Like that's I don't feel like that's even possible. Like could he actually be averaging a triple double while shooting sixty three percent from the field and have be you know on the best team in the in the Western Conference? That doesn't sound real. That's somehow exactly what's happening right now. <laughs> no, it's it's wild. The thing that's crazier is it's like sustainable. It's not like Jokic has had like a crazy two months. He's had like a bad two weeks this whole season. He had like, ah, oh, yeah, he had kind of that rough one game. And bad is like extremely... No, subjective. Yeah. Totally subjective. Not not at all like, oh, bad game for someone's like six... Like, he was just like, oh, I was a little bit off. I didn't have 20, 10, and 12. I had... 15 7 and 4 yeah which is still and i I honestly don't think he's had a game as bad bad of a game i think the worst game he's had that i can think of is like a 13 9 and 9 something like that (laughs) it's just why it's just it's just why yeah and okay this leads me right into some questions some things that i just think like i wanted i thought about doing this at the end of the season with anthony like just asking him these questions like what do you think Jokic? give a Jokic on one side and beat on the other yeah and but now I'm just like some of these numbers are just so perfect right now that I can't wait I can't possibly wait till the end of the season and have them not be as perfect you know if that does happen so I just want to seize this opportunity and also I, I want to do this even though we've talked about Jokic ad nauseum on this show and you know MVP race I feel like I still haven't done it justice of like actually laying out what his case specifically is because I do understand there's a lot of people listening to this show that like I don't say things or, I, or like I leave certain things out when I'm talking about him because I just assume like everybody knows, you know, certain things about him because I'm so wrapped up into the world of the Nuggets all the time that I forget some people don't know, you know, some things. So, yeah, just to lay it all out, Jokic is averaging 25 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists this season. And that's not rounding up for the assists. He's over 10 
And so then he's doing that on shooting splits of 63% from the field, 39% from three, and 82% from the free throw line. His true shooting percentage is 70%. He's shooting 70% true shooting. And uh, in the games that he's played this year, the Nuggets are 38 and 13, which is a 75 win percentage, which is a 61 win pace. And then, okay, this is where I'm going to start asking you questions. I'll, I'll tell you how many triple doubles he has. He has 21 triple doubles on the season. But what do you think the Nuggets record is in games where he has a triple double? I bet you it's surprisingly bad. Bad? Because I could, I could be like, oh, he's 19 and 2. I could be like highballing it like that. I'll, I'll stick with 19 and 2. That felt right when I said it. It's 21 and 0. Oh, they are undefeated? Dang. Yep. And that makes sense. 21 and 0 on true. Just on, not only like, like, because it's not a Russell Westbrook triple double where it's like, exactly. I'm going to get these assists at the end of the game. <laughs> exactly. Not that, not that Russell ever padded stats, but it's not like <laughs> get assists at the end of the game type of stuff. It's like, it's like legitimate, like, ah, this is crunch time. Flick it out to anybody. Yeah. Hit the three. It's, it's, it's intense. It, like, big game assists. It's not just like, okay, uh, Steven Adams, can you lay this up, please? We're both open at the under the basket here you go (laughs) yeah so i just think that's a pretty great record hopefully we keep that all the way to the end of the season keep a perfect record in games where he has a triple double and then okay this is i say this one for last because i think this is the the craziest one which i I don't want to give you a hint you know now that i'm calling it crazy you're gonna really guess something you know like extreme but my question is how many games has he shot below 50 percent from the field this season. How many games has he not shot at least 50% from the field, do you think? Seven. One. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Uh, for those that don't know, we're 40... Nuggets play, what, 45 games? 59. <laughs> oh. I thought, oh, wow. That's a, that's a feat. Yeah. That's a feat of... Feet of basketball achievement. Yep. And that wasn't like the first two weeks of the season. It was in like November. Man, that's wild. Yep. He's currently on the longest streak by like, I think double the person in second. That would make sense. Yeah. Obviously it's like a certain number of attempts threshold. Yeah. Like, no, cause like if I were to get in the, uh, into the league when I do, you know, mm-hmm. and I just hit my one layup a game, that's nothing. <laughs> that's on volume. Yeah. That's on volume. That's crazy. Yeah. So, <sighs> Yeah, that <laughs> that one is just... Suns needed to do something. Yeah. Great episode. If you'd like to hear the Western Conference trade deadline shakeups, go to uh, the episode before this one. That'd be 25. Who would have been episode 25? You want to guess it? Oh, I should have had... Uh... I don't know if it's gettable. It probably is, but just it's another white guy. Another white guy. So that removes my T-Wolves, Derek Rose, 25. <laughs> um, Give me a team. You might get it right away. Cavs. Is that Delvadova's number? I have no idea. No, it was, it was a guy that was played before we were born. Well, he I think he was still playing after we were born a little bit. But Oh, uh, um, center. Nope. Point guard. Oh, then I have no idea. Mark Price, 25. That guy on God is not a center. Who's the crazy Cavs center that's a big white guy? Brad Doherty, maybe? Brad Doherty. He's like Italian looking, but... Big white guy. Brad Doherty. Okay. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I would never got that. Anyway, um, yeah, that, that, that yeah, that's crazy. It makes sense. Like, I'm just worried that the, the his team's going to peter out around him. 
and things won't work. But he will not continuing to like say, I am playing devil's advocate. Jokic is the MVP of the league. He could not play half of the remaining games, and he is still the league MVP. <laughs> Honestly, he could not play another game because has he missed one yet? Oh, yeah. No, he has. That's why I said the record thing earlier, like how our record is really good right now, but it would be oh. or we would be on a 61 win pace. Oh, yeah. If he hadn't missed eight games. OK. Eight of the 59. So, yeah, if he plays 10 games after the All-Star break and then doesn't play again, still MVP. <laughs> Just give it to him. Maybe that's a bit dramatic, but and that's the other thing with Jokic's past two before we continue on. I think that is an undersold thing is Jokic. Eight games is probably the most he's missed in the past like his MVP seasons. Um, Cuz I remember the first one he played all 82 and that was a big reason for it. Yeah, that's true. But I think that wasn't a season where we played 82 though. I think it was a shorter year. I think that was like 72 maybe, 73. Okay, looking um because that, but that was the total amount of games that were played though. It was that 72. Season. The, okay, so he missed 8 last year. So I guess mm-hmm. cuz we played 82 last year. But still, like an- name another guy that doesn't miss 15 plus. Yeah. And then uh, two years before that, the first year they made the playoffs, he played at 80 of the 82. That's what was crazy. Yeah, but he had two years in a row. The two shortened seasons, he played every game, 73 and then 72, I'm pretty sure. Yep, 73, 72, 74, 51. Mm-hmm. So he'll play 75 this year. Yeah. No, he'll bounce to 71. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is just stupid hypothetical, like math things but yeah yeah um, and also he was suspended last season was he suspended this year at one point i feel like he had, no okay last year he was suspended again because of the whole markeith morris thing <laughs> and then this year he he was injured a couple times but i'm trying to remember i think there was one weird game where he he had to sit out for something but anyways keep going but no i just i'm excited to go watch a game in denver uh in the nba finals do you want to go to the sixers one Nope. March 27th? You don't want to go? I am out of principle not going to another game in Denver until I get to see the Celtics play. Until you get to see the Celtics play there? Just anywhere. I'm not going to make another trip to watch a Denver game. What if it's not Sixers? Oh, yeah, I'd go. Okay. Let's go to... You want to go to the Milwaukee one? When's that? I think it's like Saturday the 25th of March. I could maybe make that work. I also need to make sure... I know that we're home for the 27th, but I need to make sure that's a home game too. I'm guessing it is. I've told Anthony this. I think I actually aggressively typed in all caps in the group chat. Yeah, I, I remember this now after I started asking you. But um, anyways, the other Jokic thing, I just wanted to check this really quick. His on-off numbers. I know at the beginning of the year, it was something completely broken. Like it was, he was uh, adding 44 expected wins onto the Denver Nuggets by playing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is breaking his own, the, the you know, the record that he set last year, which was like a plus 32. Um, so it was completely obliterating <laughs> yeah. that record. Just casually a tenth of the entire schedule. No big deal. But uh, while I'm getting that figured out, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shoutouts on the podcast. I've recently started working part-time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated, and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full-time job someday. 
So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hoop theory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash hoop theory. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, so we are back. We were looking at Nikola Jokic's on-off numbers. When he's on the floor, the Nuggets are scoring 27 points per 100 possessions more than when he's off. More? Some people only are... (laughs) So that is an expected win differential of 55. 55 games, which is even more outrageous than it was at the beginning of the season. That's wild. And uh, so the only two people that are even... Like even kind of close. Same planet. Can you guess who they are? Giannis and LeBron. Nope. They are Contavious Caldwell Pope and Aaron Gordon because they play so many minutes with Nikola Jokic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In my defense, (laughs) logic wise, those are two okay picks. Oh yeah. I know the guys you, you, you guessed. Yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to guess along those lines. I didn't think you would think like, Oh, it's just going to be two different teammates. Yeah. Two, two teammates that are, that share a lot of their minutes with him. That's crazy. Um, yeah, they're both in the plus 20s. And the next person after that is Kawhi, surprisingly, at plus 14 points. Yeah, because he's played in three games. <laughs> Just kidding. He's played at least 1,000 minutes because that's the filter I have on here. Because apparently in just 100 minutes, Spencer Dinwiddie was breaking this this stat. Yeah, he's like right behind Jokic. At, with uh, 138 minutes played with the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, just his Nets time. Yeah. Oh, that I was like, Dinwiddie hasn't been that beat up this year, I didn't think. Yeah. But no, he, well, because his welcome back to Brooklyn was quite the uh, arrival, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And then Macau Bridges scored 45 points in, in one of those games. Well, yeah, well, imagine that when a guy that's like the third or fourth offensive option on a team gets moved to where he's the guy. And he's a good basketball player. I would hope that he would increase his numbers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because he, he was, what, probably option three, realistically, offensively for... For Phoenix? For Phoenix. He was probably four or five most of the time. Because he was just like a defensive specialist for the most part. You know, they ran their offense through Booker, Paul, and Aiton. And then after that, maybe Cam Johnson and him were like... Yeah, comparable. Yeah. So we are going to move on now to the Eastern Conference contenders. Let's look at those. Once again, if you're looking for the Western Conference contenders, go back to last episode for the, I already forgot who it was, White Guy, 25, <laughs> Cavs. Mark. Oh, uh, Mark Price. Yep. One of the best free throw shooters in NBA history. Regardless, the Cavs, that's a fun team to start with. They are the currently the fourth seed, and they just added Danny Green at this trade deadline, which... Could be completely worth nothing, but also maybe at the ripe old age of whatever he is, like 36, 37 now, uh, maybe he's got a little bit, you know, playoff basketball left in him. Um, and that's exactly the position they need right there at the three. Yeah. Because they have an unbelievable lineup. Only 35. Oh, he's only 35. Um, I don't think. I thought. Y- yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. But he's uh, he hasn't played much this year, so I don't know if he's you know going to be quite the same guy he was even in in philly he's still looking pretty strong there guarding trey young in the postseason but yeah the Cavs, though i guess how many teams do you think are above the Cavs, or would you rank above the Cavs in, t- in terms of contenders in this eastern conference three. teams that could win the title i think the three ahead of them now um 
two and a half. Mm. Are you struggling with the Philly. Sixers? Depending on what day they catch Philly and vice versa. Like, those are two teams that I would ve- feel is very even. Yeah. They would give a great seven-game series. Like, a fantastic seven-game series. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a cliff. <laughs> There's Bucks, Celtics. Yeah. And then, and then uh, not a huge cliff, but more like a, a strong hill. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Sixers, Cavs, and then there's a mountain cliff. Yeah. Like this giant drop-off. Used to have the Nets right there, mm-hmm. but no disrespect to uh, LSU legend uh, Cam Thomas <laughs> or McCall Bridges, former Phoenix Sun. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're the same that they were. I don't know if they're like – it moves them down to a, a playoff team in my opinion. A play-in playoff team in my opinion. Like I don't think they can hold on – over the Heat or the Knicks to stay out of that play-in. Yeah, it'll be interesting. They're only a game up on the... Well, I guess two games technically on the Knicks because of how many games they played. Yeah. But only one win ahead. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think the Nets, they're just like a hodgepodge of players now, like after that, those couple of colossal trades. But I don't know. Yeah, in, in a postseason setting, I don't see who like is their closer, really. You know, Cam Thomas was really fun for like a week, and then now he just isn't playing again for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. It'll be you no, know, it'll be interesting. But I guess focus. I want to finish up my Cavs thought. Yeah, go for it. They, sorry, they like, and, and as a Celtics fan, I'm not really super worried about the Cavs, which is weird because those are the teams that get, that's the type of team that will give us the most fits. Is that like guard heavy? I'm more scared of Cleveland than I am of Philly, strictly based on personnel. Because, like, we have things to just throw at Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. and it's kind of fine, relatively. Like, if, if Tobias Harris can beat us, go for it. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, if you're not— If Christian Middleton can beat us, he always does. So I don't know yeah. why I'm just saying go for it. But that's just the way that the Bucks have beat us in the past. It's never Giannis. The Sixers, it's never going to be—very rarely it's going to be Embiid. Sometimes those guys are just such a, I am a basketball player, that they just— don't care and still get their 40 points or whatever. Do you, do you see what I'm saying about like going back to the Jokic thing? Why I, I just feel like no, it's weird. It's weird to blame Jokic for, for the lack of playoff success when he's been the reason why, you know, his team has had chances in the postseason. when it's Giannis and, and Embiid, they're so targeted and have like it, it forces the rest of the team to yes. beat or to win, you know, the series most of the time. No. And that's, and that's why like, this is cocky, whatever, I don't care. I'm not super scared of anyone in the Eastern Conference, especially after watching the skeleton crew take the Bucks to overtime and almost win. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say not scared, but I would be, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited. They're still basically without Chris Middleton, though, aren't they? He played 25 minutes. Yeah, so it's like a, he was off the bench, too, wasn't he? I thought he started and played 25, but yeah, uh, yeah. he got a full 25 minutes in when they played. Yeah, which isn't his normal. It's like 10 less. He's usually 35-ish. Yeah. So, and he hasn't been playing, like, since he's come back from injury this season, he hasn't been been his normal self. But if he doesn't get back to his normal self, then I don't even care. Exactly. But so I think that's the big key, is if Chris Middleton becomes Chris Middleton by playoff time. My, no, he becomes then, Michael Jordan. He ascends past himself. He does. Whenever he plays the Celtics, and it is. And, yeah, and the Heat. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he is, because he's, he's their most important ball handler in the postseason, and he has been that way for, you know, for the last couple of years now. 
And so if they're down by anything, then by if they're down by anything that's not one, they give it to Middleton mm-hmm. or anything. But obviously, if they go for the tie, they give it to. You. But like, it's almost always in Middleton's hands unless Drew's hot. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Baby Shoe Johnson. I did not know that that was one of Chris Middleton's nicknames. Baby Shoe. <laughs> baby Baby Shoe Johnson. All right. Cash money with a KH because of Chris. Oh. Uh, and then WD forty. <laughs> I don't know at what point in his career he wore the number forty because it certainly has not been in the NBA. Yeah. Um. Definitely not. But I don't. I don't even know. I mean, WD forty just he get, it, knocks the rust off. Maybe. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. Anyway, but no. Um. But so like, getting back to the the core conversation, we can go back to the Nets. But like, the things that all shuffled in the East shuffled to the West. The only thing that came back over that's scary is Jay Crowder. That's that is also much more worrisome, especially if Chris Middleton doesn't come back to how he was for the Bucks. They'll just have a guy to put at the three spot and just kind of be a menace. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always rooted for Jay Crowder. My soul won't be able to cheer against him, but I'll have to. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think that move honestly is a big equalizer for the Bucks and the Celtics. Like. Like, but, well, before I say or give my opinion on it, in your eyes, like, I know you probably favored the Celtics before the deadline, but do you think this move pushes the Bucks maybe a little bit past the Celtics as the favorite in the East? Or what's your opinion on that? Putting my actual basketball hat on. Uh, probably. Past? I don't know. But the Celtics also getting Mike Muscala cannot be understated. No, you're right. It does put him past him. Not by much. I think it's close. If not, it makes him even. Because I think the Celtics were... If, like, money on it, gun to your head, you have to pick one. If you're wrong, you're screwed. i take the Celtics out of the East. I would have. And now it's a lot harder decision to make, but I still think i take the Celtics. Because mm. I would rather have anybody ex- as my head coach except for Boonholzer in the playoffs. Absolutely anybody else. Uh, well, okay. And, and Other than like Doc Rivers or Tom Thibodeau, which uh, like that's he's better than those guys. Yeah, honestly, like just think about the alternative timeline that we could be in if if Giannis and the Bucks decided to win their championship last year instead of two years ago, they definitely would not have Mike Budenholzer as their head coach. Yeah, like if KD wore slightly smaller shoes, like he should he should wear because mm-hmm. you know how he wears oversized shoes because he likes the way they feel when he plays basketball. Have you heard about that? Yeah. That's why in barely like a millimeter of his toe was on the line when he shot that shot in game seven against the Bucks in the second round. Well, I think the Celtics beat that Nets team anyway, but I'm saying two years ago when the Bucks won the title. Oh, okay. So if, if Katie's well, foot... the Celtics rolled them last year, sorry, I was way off. Yeah, yeah. If Katie was wearing slightly smaller shoes, the Nets would, the, the Bucks would have lost in the second round. Yep. And Budenholzer would have been fired. Praise the Lord. And Rick Carlisle was going to get hired as the Bucks head coach. He was waiting. The to Bucks get... are a lot scarier. Yeah. <laughs> in that scenario. That's wild. But that's not the universe we're in now. I've, I, that, I said it. I remember saying it at the time in the postseason before they even won the title. I feel like I was like, it might be better for them to lose <laughs> because if they just eke on by despite Mike Budenholzer's, you know, ability to coach inability, whatever. Well, just he's a good coach in certain areas but he just not he's not built for the playoffs because of how rigid 
his systems are. He's very, he sticks to game plans and doesn't adjust. And postseason is all about adjusting. He'll adjust like game over game. Like if he like sees a different opponent, he'll like, they'll do a little bit different something if they have the Celtic as opposed to the Sixers. But there won't be halftime. Let's make this giant change and run, run it totally different. Is that what you're saying? I would say you undersold it there, though. Like, he, he doesn't make... Oh, he won't even do at all. He's very... Like, he gets down to the best details of how do I beat a vacuum? How do I beat just copy-paste NBA team? He's That's why That's why before the year that they won the championship, they were so good at just dominating the regular season, and they would get to the playoffs, and it was like, why do they... Like, they're, they suck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, teams can do whatever they want because they don't change anything about the way they play. Like, they, he's he's married to his ideas of, like, you have to protect the rim. Don't care about three-pointers. Like, it doesn't matter if teams will, will shoot three-pointers against you. Just make sure you defend the, the basket, uh, which means always play in drop coverage, never switch screens. And that's a huge... And that's why I'm not that scared of the Bucks. He changed that a little bit, and that was the reason why they were the three seed. They didn't dominate the regular season the year that they won the title because they actually did practice changing a, a few more of those things. But he is still... Bad. Bad at doing making the changes he, he needs to make when he needs to make them. They always come way later. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's he's very married to his, like, doctrine of, of basketball, basketball theory. Yeah. But anyways, uh, as you were saying... This might be putting them like you, you think this is more of an equalizer. I would agree. But if yeah, if you, I did need to absolutely take one team in this scenario, I do think you make a good point with the coaching thing. But I still feel like I'll, I'd lean Bucks mainly just because of the Celtics were there last year. And I feel like that puts them just naturally at a slight disadvantage of making the run all the way back again. I'd agree with that if they won the Cole thing. Well, they played just as much as the team that did win the whole thing you know like the, no I, i'm more talking about like the the mental thing that happens even if you don't want it to of the like oh we want to change like i get what you're saying i i from everything i've seen and obviously people can just talk there is no level of pat on the back for the celtics for what they did last year they don't look at that as an accomplishment they're like like oh yeah we did okay but we didn't we didn't finish the job type of thing is the way they look at it mm-hmm. in the locker room which i think is Makes me smile, but I'm also boring. I, I yeah. enjoy the good defense. I don't love how much we like the three-point line. I wish that we were more just just good at, good at other stuff. Like, we used mm-hmm. to be the mid-range reincarnation of, like, the Spurs, where everything was a mid-range shot, and we're, like, crazy kid efficient at them. And no, it's not crazy efficient, but now it's just, like, everybody on the team can shoot threes except for Robert Williams III. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The, the thing I was thinking about, though, is... Last year and two years ago, so yeah, two years ago, the title was, or three years ago, actually. Okay, so the Lakers and Heat. the Heat, they they won, They were the teams that made it the farthest. The season after that, both of them were out in the first round. The title after that... Both teams got old and had injuries. The Heat lost Jay Crowder. So, okay. I think it was, was the big thing. But that, that's what, like, there's but, a... Yeah, okay, sorry, I, you should finish your thing. Yeah, so the next uh, year it was Milwaukee and Phoenix. Both of them went out in the second round the next year. This year, I'm just, I'm just thinking if there's a pattern there uh, with... But I think that, that I would say that the pattern of that stuff is like, maybe it's the 3 and D weird PJ Tucker, Jake Crowder guy leaving. Maybe that's like the secret key to why teams struggle the year after. Maybe that's part of it. Gary Payton for the Warriors. 
maybe that's why they struggled so bad. Then they were like, get him back. And not that that's the exact same role, but like, I know, I know what you're saying. And the, and the Bucks got their PJ Tucker guy type of guy back. I mean, they got the younger, better version of him. So I don't yeah, know. I, I, I know what you're saying. I just really don't want it to but, happen. Well, so that's why I'm choosing the Bucks, though. Yeah, I, yeah. Because of the weird pattern. I really don't want it to happen. And, and they're just more fresh, I guess is what I'm saying. Because like, yeah, Lakers got old slash like they got hurt. Blew their team up. And no, they retooled their whole team after that championship and it made no sense. Not completely though. They were still mostly the same team that next e- next season. Was this two? Was that two years later where they just like? Yeah. Okay. Before this is before the the Westbrook deal. Yep. So no, but they were they were they were slightly different. But the only major piece that they lost lost was maybe Danny Green. Um, I want to say they had they had Dennis Schroeder. Like on paper, they were better. They were a better roster, top to bottom. But AD struggled with injuries like cr- really bad that entire season, and that's why they were the seven seed. And then in that that series, they looked like the better team for most of it until AD got hurt again in mm-hmm. that Phoenix series in the first round, and then Phoenix beat them. No, because that's the Marcus Gasol, Montrez Harrell, Taylor Horton Tucker came into it. Yeah. Okay. But, okay, yep. So They brought in a bunch of old guys. That's This is when the old guys that, started. I don't think it started. The old guys thing started when LeBron first got to the Lakers, when they first signed like Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley. Yeah. And Dwight okay. Howard. Because they still had Caruso, KCP. Okay. But anyways, ever since LeBron's got to LA, they've had a lot of old guys out there. But that was, I'm not saying that was necessarily a better team or as good team roster wise, but it wasn't significantly worse. That's for sure. Than the year prior, that because they yeah that was before they lost KCP yep. and their all their three and D stuff. The main difference was just AD's health, and that yep. you could say is a direct result could be of the long run of healthiness that he had, you know of playing a lot of games, wearing down his body. Who knows? That kind of could be the reason why the Bucks struggled last year, bowed out in the second round after losing Middleton. Same type of thing. Then I would argue the Celtics have been healthier than the Bucks this year. Outside of Jalen Brown getting elbowed in the face, and t- uh, Robert, Ro- Williams. yeah, and Robert, Robert Williams, Williams. that was like it. That's going to be a, per- a forever problem. Is he's going to play forty games a year, and that'll be it. He won't play more than that. Well, because he had meniscus surgery at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and they knew that he was not going to be back. Yeah, I'm just trying to defend this for no reason, just because I like don't want it to be true. That this, <laughs> like I know that for everyone that's yelling at me. <laughs> he had a he had a surgery to expedite his return, which is bad for him long term. But he, you know, wanted to be a part of their title hopes. That they took. They, I think they just took out his meniscus. Yeah, yeah. So he he went against the team doctor's um, suggestion to do that, mm-hmm. which is a questionable decision to make. When he, what? How old is he? Like twenty four? Yeah, very young. But he's always yeah. had the issues even before. Um, yeah. And that's why his meniscus was so bad because he's always dealt with ACL and MCL stuff. And so his meniscus has been doing double time like since he was mm-hmm. like 18. So yeah, that's been for, the big. Just for reference, that's that's the same exact thing that happened to Dwayne Wade when he was like 32 or 33, you know, like yep. a- after Dwayne Wade tore his meniscus right before the playoffs one year, he just had it taken out. And that was a big contributing factor to his career, like 
tailing off right after that. Because it takes a, so what it does, sorry, like medically, is it takes away a lot of your explosiveness. It like yeah doesn't hurt anymore because it's not there, but it takes away a lot of like the snap in a good way your knee can have, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's like don't get rid of it if you're planning to still use it. And as an NBA player, you still use it. So yeah, I think it has a big part to play in like longevity of your knee too. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I think where we arrived was the Bucks and the Celtics are both very, very good they're, choices. They're, they're above, they're, a, they're like, they're on a shelf above the Sixers and Cavs, which is a shelf above the rest of the East. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The Sixers is just not like, I don't feel good about betting on the Sixers. You know, Embiid is a, a dominant player, but he has had questionable playoff performances a lot of that has been you know you could say that has been to do like due to health and stuff which there's some legitimacy to that but like what if he just gets hurt every postseason you know that's not super great to have and then Harden notable shrinker in the postseason so we'll see what happens the Cavs I feel like just a young more you know more vibrant group yep um do the Celtics have the best coach out of the top four in the East. It's between Bakerstaff and Missoula. Baker, I think. Yeah. I do. I, I, I think, think it's so probably too. Bakerstaff now that I'm talking about it. It is probably just Bakerstaff, but. I think it's close. I think it's more the unproven thing of Missoula, and I don't like that he's offensive minded, but that's fine. Apparently. If defensive minded gets me Doc Rivers, I don't want that. So. Yeah, apparently his role, like he was the defensive guy for the Celtics while he was an assistant, like he was the defensive guru. Well, because the offensive guy is uh, was, Will was, Hardy. was Will Hardy. Yeah. So that's kind of odd, though, because I've I've been super impressed with, with Will Hardy's defensive coaching. Well, I think that the Celtics <laughs> just coaching uh, staff was a large part of the success they had. Because, um, like, what happened with the Celtics last year with how good um, Tatum and Brown have been this year makes more sense to me than it happening last year. Because they were still get two good players, but they weren't both like, oh, these are all-stars for sure. You know what I mean? Last year? La- well, okay, the, be- the beginning of the season was rough. There Second was half no of the season. Rough. There was no rough this year. That's why we're the— Oh, true. That's yes. what I mean is there was like—that's how I should have worded it. Like, ahead of I'm, last season, the run we made didn't make sense. But like, now that we're—yeah. I'm pretty sure if you took a snapshot— at the, the season standings at one point last year, the Celtics were like, I want to say they were like 21 and 20 at the halfway mark. Yeah, they were. Um, maybe even a little bit worse. Maybe it was 20 and 21. I know it was something around there. And they ended up being like the, the two seed. Because they got blown out by who? They got blown out by somebody and Marcus Smart was mad. Yeah, that, that was during all the Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown People thought they didn't like each other. Yeah, and then also all of the it's like it became a huge narrative of oh Tatum and Brown need to get broke like you need to trade one of them, which was dumb. Never was on that camp. This is not yeah. like a Simmons and Bead where their play styles conflict. Yeah, exactly. Their play styles are a puzzle piece that has a tiny itty bitty gap that fits in Marcus Smart. Yeah, need a play, a playmaker. Yeah, or Gordon Hayward. Or uh, in a perfect world, uh, Victor Oladipo. But that's never going to happen. Old Victor Oladipo. Sorry. Pre-injured all the time, Victor Oladipo. I think perfect world is Ricky Rubio. Or more perfect world, Josh Giddy. Perfect, perfect world, prime Steve Nash. 
That's true. <laughs> if you had a time and machine. All-time perfect is perfect world. Rookie Magic Johnson. <laughs> but anyway, I'm trying to find yeah. who... Anyway, we lost a stupid game, and that, like there was like a big team meeting, and people were mad. Oh, yeah. I do remember that, for sure. They had a players-only meeting and stuff. I just remember doing, like, making videos about the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum thing. I, and I, I remember saying, like, it feels like people are just bored because we don't have the um, the whole, like, Simmons and Embiid thing anymore. Like, we're trying to fill the void of that argument with another two players. And so people are like, oh, Tatum and Brown can't play together. It's like, what? okay, no, they definitely can. This is a very rare scenario where it's tough for them to play together because they have no playmaker on the team. Like when there's a playmaker, there's not even a noticeable flaw <laughs> with how they fit together. It's just when you don't have a playmaker and you're, you're forced to use one of them as your ball handler, they're both kind of black holes in a way. So it's not just that they can't play together. It's that like they become like the rest of their team is also brought down because like they they become ball hogs in a way because of their skill set they're they're just used to being like mid-range or like scores in isolation you know like finishers of of an offensive set not the ball handler playmaker like the judge jury and executor is that the saying it doesn't sound right <laughs> the judge jury and the executioner yeah it is okay i think i said executor that's why it sounded weird executioner Anyways, really could just be between Celtics and Bucks. I think you, you could go either way, honestly. But not as like it's I think the East is more boring than the West. Yeah, um, because I'm the West. I, there's sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the West. There's just like so many different teams that are like maybe, but nobody that you feel great about. I think we will. We'll know more in a month because that's when we'll see what like. If this uh, Suns quote unquote experiment works and they like mesh well enough, I think they'll. Well, be... When is KD even playing? When is he even going to be back? I guess maybe a month is enough. Like if that if that team meshes and works, that'll be terrifying. Um, yeah, I think we've seen enough of the Mavericks <laughs> that that doesn't work as well as Solo Luca. Like it, the return on your investment is not as great as one might have hoped. If you were Mark, well, you just lost a big part of why. Solo Luca works. works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, With those those role players around him. Yeah. It'll be it'll be an interesting deal. Apparently there was a wild enough world where the uh, Brooklyn Nets almost just swapped uh, everything with the Phoenix Suns and the Suns just had six players that could play. That was their whole entire plan. They almost sent everything to get K uh, Kyrie as well. Wait. So the Suns did almost that. got KD and Kyrie. Well, I know that they tried to make a trade for Kyrie originally. They were trading Chris Paul. They wanted to trade Chris Paul and No, it was going to be um, the, the the it would be Booker, Kyrie, KD and Aiton. Okay. That makes that, sense. That's what I was saying, sorry. Yeah. No, I Kyrie I just remember and, uh, Chris Paul on the same team doesn't make sense. I guess I didn't know about the KD and Kyrie both getting traded. Yeah, I thought cuz I just remember after the Nets after the Mavs trade, after the Kyrie trade happened, the Nets leaked the other offers they had from other teams. Um, and one of them was the Suns that said they would have given away Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and Mikhail Bridges, I think is what it was. My favorite thing, I think it was Bill Simmons said this, you're like, you want to know a quick way to never trade, get a trade with teams again? 
uh, leak everything you were going to receive from everyone. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Nets have been doing that for a little while now. The Jalen Brown one this summer with Kevin Durant. Well, the thing that was weird to me is they didn't even leak like real trade stuff. They're just like, the Celtics picked up the phone about Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. <laughs> they did. There was like no real conversation that was had other than like the Celtics, like how much would you want for KD? And then like Brad Stevens was like, Jalen Brown's probably the best asset we'd even think about moving. And then that's what got leaked to the world. Mm-hmm. Not the fact that it was like, from what I, this is also from a, a Celtics beat writer, like, from what I've understood, it was literally just he, like, was throwing out, like, that's the highest name that we might give away. And that's a big name to say, but I'm glad we didn't. I'm so happy as a Celtics fan. But we can wrap this up because we've been going cooking for a while. No game this week because you guys are unthankful. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, we'll be sure to get back to that soon, though. But, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Just a reminder, uh, if you want to help me out doing this thing, pursuing this podcast thing, I do have my Patreon set up, so head over to patreon.com slash hoop theory. As an added bonus, if you do Patreon, you'll get a special video from me every week. <laughs> should, should we do that? Should we set up a tier, a Jacob tier? Oh, I'll totally do that. Awesome. I would totally, not that anybody would want a video from me, but I'll totally do that. Once a month, you'll get 10 minutes of me ranting about sports. <laughs> right now, I just have early access to every episode, like a day early. And then also uh, shout outs at the end of every episode. Anybody that's a Patreon subscriber, I'll, I'll give them a shout out. But yeah, adding a Jacob uh, bonus thing in there, that would be good. An extra incentive. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to the today's episode. We will talk to you guys next episode. Stay happy, stay healthy. See you later. Peace.